to the Skeptic Wire. My breath longer than Donna. Yay! I didn't realize it was a contest. I'm a man. Of course it's a contest. Pretty sure I can beat you if given the right circumstances. I may have asthma, but I sing. So, all right. <laughs> well, it is October 15th, 2014, and this is episode 174 of the Skeptic Choir. I am your host tonight, Donna Swafford, and with me is Greg Perrine. Yay! You, you can see me, listeners, but I was doing the uh, Kermit arms. The happy monkey dance? No, it's the Kermit, Kermit arms. Ar- yeah! yeah, Kermit arms. Very close to the Chewbacca. I, I was doing the happy Snoopy dance earlier. Oh. I can't remember who I said that to, but I was like, oh, happy Snoopy dance. And they were like, Is that well, code for something with you and Teacher Mike? Or? No. Oh, okay. Somebody had good news, and I went, happy Snoopy dance. And then I had to play them the little bit with Schroeder and Lucy sitting by the right. thing and Snoopy dancing. because. See, in, in those situations, I would usually do, I would say, Numfar, do the dance of joy. Okay. I don't, if that's a pop culture it, reference, it, I missed it. It's from Angel, the spinoff oh. to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, when they go into the parallel world where... Uh, um, the puppet world? No, not the puppet world, uh, where um, Lorne, the lounge singer, oh. where he's from. Yes. They don't have music. So they just dance, but it's not to any sort of rhythm or whatever, but they have dances related to assigned. Wow, we've just lost all our listeners, except for the Buffy and Angel fans. <laughs> well, I've, let me tell you, um, I know that. How'd, you, how'd, how'd your week go? <laughs> Is that what you're trying to get into? Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get into. So I had a really interesting hospital visit, actually, on Sunday. Had to go get stitches. Teacher Mike had to go get stitches. Oh, I'm sorry you got hurt. It's a long and really stupid story. And I'm just going to leave it at that because he will actually be upset if I actually tell the whole story behind it. It's but just let me guess. Maybe it has something to do with the filming you guys were doing over the weekend and that it was rainy. No. And maybe an accident. No. Okay. No. That's the one I'm just going to keep in my head to make Mike happy. He was at work. Okay. And they were bored. I'm just going to leave it at that. Ah, so it was a, hey, y'all, watch this moment. Sort of thing, yeah. Okay. So he cuts his head, and I'm on my way to a meeting, so I get a call saying, hey, he's got to go get stitches. I pull over. I start calling people, telling them, hey, look, i got to cancel the meeting. I can't be there. Da, 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 da. Everybody's cool with it. As I almost get to the hospital, because there is a hospital right across the street, basically, right across a highway from where he works. As I almost get there, I get a phone call saying, oh, by the way, they're sending him to this other hospital and he doesn't have his insurance card. So um, we need you to run all the way back home and meet us at this other (laughs) hospital. So I drive all the way back home. I grab it. I meet him at the other hospital. Now, at the other hospital. So he's cut his hairline. Okay. Ended up being three stitches. So we're there and there's actually... No doctor 
it's just a physician's assistant because it's more like an urgent care clinic. Okay. But for like a fairly small cut that only one or two stitches, that's not entirely unreasonable. Exactly. She looks at it and says, oh no, this is a facial injury. We can't accept this. You have to go back to the hospital that sent you here. And I'm all like, what the hell? <laughs> and she's all like, no, you have to go back to that one. And we're like, it's his hairline. <laughs> No one's really going to see this. And he's all like, just stitch it. And she's all like, no. Protocol says that we have to send you over. <laughs> Sorry. We have to send you over to this other hospital. The story gets you so pissed off you're beating oh, up on yes. coasters. I apologize. <laughs> so we sat there and argued. And finally, teacher Mike says, is it protocol or are you just not comfortable doing this? And she goes, a little of both. And I said, done, fine, we're gone. At this point... Yeah, it's, it sounds a lot like someone dealing with a phlebotomist who's like looking at the crook of your arm with something of terror like they've never taken blood before. It's like, right. you know what? Let's go somewhere else. So we drive back to the other hospital and we wait. And we wait. Understandably so. I got to watch the end of the Dallas Cowboys game. I don't follow football, but I go ahead. I don't follow it either, but they won, and everybody in the ER was really happy. Okay. So, finally, the plastic surgeon comes out and looks at it and goes, why are you here? So, we have to explain to him why we're there. And he's all like, okay. And he said, well, rather than shooting you up with lidocaine and everything else, we've kind of got this lidocaine epinephrine sort of something gel and they put it basically on a guy's thing and they had it hold it to his head for like 45 minutes a very local surface anesthetic right. kind of thing and okay. mike was like at one point he was poking at it going nope don't feel anything we're good <laughs> so the doctor comes back out and he's poking at it and goes okay we're we're good to go stitch it so we go back out there's a lot of poking gone, going on with your husband here. I'm exactly. Wondering if this is kind of kind of a, turning into a fan fiction thing. No. So we we go back and they they're getting set up to actually stitch it. So they've got him laying on the table. Now the funny part is is that I have nothing to do at this point. So I am sitting there playing Plague Inc on my phone. Okay. <laughs> so I want you to notice the irony here. You weren't like live tweeting teacher mike's injury or something no fuck no <laughs> so i'm, I'm sitting there playing plague ink and the nurse comes in and she's she's getting you know the whole area prepped and you know setting up lights so the doctor can see everything properly and she asks him what he knows about ebola so he goes donna's my subject matter expert on this <laughs> and so she's all like have you heard our podcast? <laughs> so she, she says something about, and I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was basically like, well, we should have seen Ebola coming. And I kind of like, huh? It's kind of out of left field for the situation. Right. She was just making small talk? Right. Okay. So she's asking me about, you know, well, what do I know? And she's basically ends the sentence with, well, Ebola is basically God's proof that America has turned itself away from God. And I'm all like, what? And, and you can see Mike. He's like doing the, the thing across the net going, please stop. Please stop. To her or to you? <laughs> to me. Because he sees me like starting to sit up and go, you're, you're, oh, oh, really? Is, 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 
and she's all like you're, you know, you're about you've got this look like you're about to have like a comp, a back injury because you're going to do a face palm and a head desk at the same moment. Right. So I'm I'm asking her, you know, I'm all like, well, as a nurse, you know, you know that it's transmitted only when it's there are symptoms showing and everything else. And, and she's bodily all, fluids. Right. And direct and she contact goes, and, she goes, no, that's all a lie. And I went, oh, really? <laughs> and at that point, Mike is like, I mean, he's like pushing me. Like, I mean, he's doing the motions of get out, get out, go take a walk. <laughs> <laughs> and you're quoting Monty Python of, is there somebody else up there we can talk to? So I did. I actually went out and I found a friend of mine who actually works at that hospital. And I went and got a quick bite to eat. And I told him, yeah, you know, I just had this really interesting conversation. There's a nurse in there who's looking to get out. She's looking to counsel the families of victims of Ebola. And he goes, oh, Her. you've met so-and-so. <laughs> and I'm all like, yeah. And he goes, yeah, we, we're, we're familiar. We're, we're. Wow. And I'm all like, what the fuck is her problem and he goes she's just she's she, she drank the jesus juice just a little too much and i was yeah. all like no shit and so as we walked back in my friend rod goes oh by the way here's the er department chief and i went oh i need to speak to you <laughs> yay so I, I spoke to and he was all like uh 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 Ma'am, yes, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And I'm all like, I don't want her there. In yeah. fact, I'd be really happy if she wasn't working in your hospital. And he goes, well, we can't exactly fire her for this. Yeah, and I it's, said, it's yep. one of those kind of gray areas because you could couch it in a religious belief. So you can't say right. that you're firing someone for a religious belief. But you could say they don't understand the germ theory of disease and right. maybe and that get was, them out that, that was, way. That was my, my argument was that. I, I really didn't care if she believed that Ebola was a scourge from God. The fact that she doesn't understand basic transmission methods, the fact that she's not up on basic epidemiology about it, all of this stuff. I was all like, this to me is a bigger problem than the religious part. I, I can look past the religious part, mm -hmm. but when you don't, when you have a nurse who doesn't understand the basic science behind it, I have a huge, because then as we're taught, as we, as we get back in there and he's brought the other nurse in there, I said something about, oh, I don't know when his last tetanus shot was. And he goes, I, I don't remember either. And, and the doctor said, oh, we need to make sure to get one. And she kind of tutted me and I went, excuse me. And this is with the ER chief, like right there. And she goes, well, well, tetanus just ruins our natural immunity, which was a gift from God. And I went, and 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 I could see that the ER doctor just put his hand on my on my shoulder and everything else, and he's all like, basically like, here's Sarah, she'll be your nurse for the rest of the evening. And I'm yeah. all like, wow. I was like, doing the whole, like, like I wanted to rage. So it, it really, she was saying that the tetanus shot, right? That basically is in order to induce immunity to the bacterium that is involved in tetanus that we'll get to a little later in the episode that that it, somehow removes quote unquote natural immunity because there's shades of immunity involved. Yes. It's like when people talking about like their food and they want organic food as opposed to non-organic mm -hmm. food, which would be rocks and, 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 and dirt 
and even dirt would be more, pretty cardboard. organic. Yeah, cardboard <laughs> or styrofoam. That's inorganic. It, it, so not under. Oh, yeah. So yes, this this was my trip to the ER. So the next day on Monday, I promptly went into patient advocacy because when I filled out my little report, because I wrote it up in glorious detail, <laughs> I flat out said. I will be coming by patient advocacy at 10 a.m. And I walked in at 10 a.m. <laughs> and I went, hi, I am Donna Swafford and da, 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 da. And they were all like, oh, okay, well, we see your report and everything else. And the, the basically the head of patient advocacy kind of kind of blew me off. He was all like, well, you know, it's her religious rights and, and everything else. And I went, okay, first off, that's Dr. Swafford. And he went, excuse me. And I said, I hold a degree in anthropology. I've studied epidemiology. I talk about Ebola for the past two weeks. <laughs> so let's, you know, and he was all like, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. And I said, okay, so since you've, I flat out said, since you've decided to piss me off, <laughs> I need the correct spelling of your name as well as who your boss is. And he's all like, oh, he gave it to me. And I'm like, when will he or she be available? Yeah. And they were like, you, it, was down it, the hall. And I just started walking. Was it kind of a, they're there little lady? Yes, it was very of? much a, yeah. well, you know, Is she Is your has husband here? Can I talk to him? Sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. And I was like, when I get this little lady stuff, yeah. I have to remind, I hate reminding people that I have a doctorate. I really do. It's not something that I, I want to do. But if you turn around and you're all like, well, you know, we have to weigh her religious rights and, and everything else. Because I was stating that my issue was not with what she said in regard to God and scourges and mm -hmm. Ebola. Despite the fact that it is clearly doesn't not make any sense that Ebola is a scourge from God for Texas, for, for the United States, for being anti-God. Because if it was, it would hit somewhere like, I don't know, Los Angeles, San Francisco, maybe even New York. Right, exactly. Before... Texas, Dallas, Texas, God, USA. Right. And anyway, so back to your my, story. My, I, I kept couching I, it in that. I had that, to get that out. Right. I'm sorry. I kept couching it in that I am disappointed that a nurse doesn't have basic understandings of, of epidemiology, germ theory, and all of this yet. That is where And I, is anti-vaccine. Right. And is anti-vax. And so, I mean, that's where I kept it. Mm -hmm. And I was getting the... It really wasn't that bad and da, 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 da. And I'm all like, if she's pulling this with me, she's pulling it with other people. Yeah. And sure, maybe other people are just blowing her off. But what if she's got a scared mom in there with a newborn and a high fever, you know, who may have been exposed to whooping cough or something? This is a problem. This is where the anti-vax comes in. Or you have a patient who's immunocompromised, you know, a kid who's been battling cancer. Mm -hmm. This is where I have my problems and I'm going to get off my soapbox now because I'm done. <laughs> I'm done talking about this. But this is why we have to, for lack of a better term, stand up and say things when we come across these. Because if you don't say anything, nothing mm. will change. Exactly. And it's you got to think of it in the theory of... The same way that, say, TV stations and politicians do, that if one person writes a letter or says something or drops something in a comment box, there are another hundred people who think the same way but just never got around to doing yeah. it. So you have got to be those people to represent all those others 
and and make some noise. I, I had a friend who was serving jury duty today and she was kind of, I don't know, kind of live tweeting what she, what, what was going on and whatever. And included was that um, the same thing happened to me when I did jury duty a year or two ago of they ended the, the, they have everybody stand up and they give an oath to like, you know, be truthful and positive and always loyal, some kind of boy squad oath or something. And they say, so help me God. And I didn't say that. So I went up to the clerk's desk. I went first to the judge and I said, I can't take this oath. And the judge it's, surely looked at you like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, and they said, well, just go to the clerk's desk and, and, and take it there. Okay, fine. And they, they said the, the oath and they, they ended with, so help me God. I was like, I can't take that oath. I am not going to swear to a God. You, this is a religious test. And I reminded this friend that, you know, what is it? Article six. Oh gosh. I posted on online. I can't remember it, but it's like, it's the no religious test yeah. clause of the actual constitution. It's not even one of the fundamentals that some people could argue with like originalists kind of thing. It is there in the constitution, no religious test. So if you say something, something might change, whether you have a anti-vax crazy nurse or you know, someone saying like the, the Air Force person last month who almost got kicked out of the Air Force for not taking the oath with. So, so help, help me, me God. God. Yeah, exactly. I just that one just I I was just like, I can't believe that this is actually getting worse the longer I'm here, you know, because I yeah. mean, I was annoyed with. Oh, hospital one to hospital two, back to hospital one. Yeah, you know, that's I, just basic inefficiency of the system. But to have people who are in those kind of positions endangering Mike's life by yeah. saying, eh, let's not worry about a tetanus shot, even though tetanus is not that much of a deal here in the United, United States, States, mainly because of vaccination. But hey, and, and sanitation, yes. Uh, but hey, let's uh, follow yeah. the science. And what exactly. you were probably taught in, in med slash nurse training school, vaccination's good, yes. sanitation good, and and germs cause disease, not punishment from God. Yes, but we actually do have some happy news to report. Since our last episode, there has been the, the there have been the awardings of the Nobel Prizes. Yes. So for about the past week, about pretty much every day, it's been like, Oh, so-and-so has won the prize in chemistry. Oh, yeah. so-and-so has won the prize in economics. The physics one was for creating blue LEDs, which allowed essentially all the LED kind of like iPhone and 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 computer screens nowadays because they something like they could figure out how to do red and green really easy, but they couldn't figure out how to do blue, and that was really difficult, and it was the sea change to say, oh, blue light from an LED. So it was, yeah. you know, fun little stuff like that. Well, one that I want to talk about was the Nobel Peace Prize was awarded to Kailash Satari. I think that's how you say your name. As well as Hero to the Skeptic Wire, Pakistan's <laughs> Malala Yousafzai for their struggles against the suppression of children and um, education. Mm -hmm. uh, so the youngest person... According to the Nobel Committee, at 17, she's the youngest person ever to win the Nobel Peace Prize. Um, she is also the first Pakistani and the first young woman to be receiving this award, which I think is pretty awesome. She found out that she was 
that she had won while she was sitting in chemistry class in <laughs> in England. That is awesome. Um, she wasn't expecting the award, and she wasn't sure that she had won, but a teacher called her over and told her. <laughs> she continued to attend classes that day, and it was a normal day besides teachers and her fellow students congratulating her. Um, she doesn't believe that she deserved the award, but in considers it an encouragement to continue her campaign, and she knows now that she is not alone. Right. She She's mostly dealing with trying to make sure that children, especially young women, continue to get education. But uh, Kalash uh, Satari, I, 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 I'm sorry for mispronouncing his name, mostly was dealing with the exploitation and kind of enslavement of children in the India area. Right. And I thought it was interesting that the Nobel Committee decided to not only reward Malala, but also award this Indian man who's been fighting for children's rights and kind of tying them together with children's rights kind of thing. But saying, hey, look, we have Pakistanis and Indians both fighting for children's rights. Yeah. And, and kind of got to that meta level of, hey, let's all get along. You know, you guys are constantly fighting skirmish wars in India and Pakistan. It is possible to bring peace to that area by activism. So not only awarding these individuals, but kind of linking it all together and making that, va frankly, political move to say we're going to reward both Pakistan and, and India. But, hey, good job. Unfortunately, this Pakistani Taliban in an email has said that uh, Malala is a beloved servant of the infidels who was awarded the Nobel for her services to them. So, you know, not everybody's happy that, you know, a 17-year-old girl won the Peace Prize. But then again, these are the same people that tried to kill her, so... Yeah, it's the Taliban, so fuck them. Fuck them, yeah, pretty yeah. much. That's uh, kind of where we, we end that. But congratulations to the two of them. I yeah. think this is, you know, a, a boon for children's rights and education. And hopefully we'll see more yeah. of these things. But... Unfortunately, we do have some actually bad news that we wanted to talk about. Um, and one of those things that people always say, you know, what is the harm? We've got a big what's the harm yeah. discussion here. What is what is silly and fun and, and oh, well, my, my cousin, you know, burns candles and has a little altar in their closet or something in the United States is serious problems in other parts of the world. Right. Tanzanian police have charged 23 people with murder after seven villagers were burned alive on suspicion of witchcraft. Okay, so these attacks, which took place in a small village, uh, Murafidi, which is a small village in the western Kigoma region in Tanzania. So, and Tanzania is on the eastern edge of Africa. Yes. It's actually right near Rwanda and Kenya and all Kenya. that. Yeah. Ethiopia. Just trying to help out Americans who are, we're all not really great at our geography. Five of the people killed were over the age of 60. The other two were over the age of 40. And a Tanzanian human rights group estimates that a 500 suspected witches are killed annually in yep. Tanzania. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of details that I was able to find in, in reading up on this on exactly what happened and why, but there, there's some details like people came home to find not just burned bodies. It's not like burning Mutilated. at the stake kind of thing, but 
basically these this mob of probably hundreds of people that is they could only find 23 of them that could be identified the ringleaders or whatever yeah that they went at them with machetes and and hacked at them and then also burned them in their houses and stuff like yeah. that uh the son of one of the victims joseph at john told the tanzania newspaper and i'm not even going to try and say that name it's <laughs> mwanachi is close as I can get, but there I tried. When I returned home in the evening, I found the body of my mother lying 10 meters away from the house while the body of my father was burnt inside the house. Yeah. Um, now, they do have, this particular area does have a, like I said, a long history of reporting of killing in the name of witchcraft, belief in witchcraft. You were considered cursed if you are infertile. I you know, if your crops don't grow, you know, on schedule, it's it's a curse of somehow, or you've put a curse on somebody, or you know, yeah. all of these things. You know, if you're an albino, oh yeah, get, you're fucked. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Just <laughs> just leave that country. We should it's, have like a standing order for refugee status for albinos from yeah, Africa because, because their body parts are considered magical talismans for all intents yes. and purposes. And so when. You know, I, I can't say this enough. If you don't believe in something or you believe differently than somebody, death is not the answer. <laughs> no. Killing somebody because you, and, and you know, I. I well, they're, they're in their belief system. They are legitimately frightened because they they think that cause A means uh, event B. Yes. So there was someone who has a, you know, the the stereotypical European stereotype of a witch with a mole or something like that, or has a crooked nose or something, or whatever, or just a orphan child is around. It's someone who they feel that they can blame, and they feel they have control over the situation, that they can solve it by hacking at someone, and they're full of fear and rage, and that's the only solution they know of because they don't, know any better unfortunately um i found a pew forum study back from 2010 that they went and interviewed a whole lot of people from 19 different african nations about all sorts of religious belief and all that and they found that tanzania had the highest belief in witchcraft which they kind of phrased slightly differently in saying that 60 percent of the people in tanzania believe that sacrifices to say their ancestors or spirits can have an effect on their daily lives. So they actually believe that throwing the Virgin into the volcano will stop the angry volcano from exploding. Yep. And unfortunately it just keeps going because even though there's a lot of Christianity and Islamic structure in those areas, Abrahamic religious, yes, all this kind of old stuff, because I, from what I understand, Tanzania wasn't quite as colonized as the rest of Africa. Because of that, there's a lot more of this old belief that's just kind of folded in with the Catholic or yeah, it's, or Muslim beliefs. Right. It's it's, it's sort kind of like, like hoodoo. Yeah, hoodoo and and all that. The 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 I guess the educational moment here. The word is syncretized. Cool. What does that word mean? That's basically like when you take two religions and you kind of meld them together. Right. So like here in Southwest Texas or Southern Texas, you see a lot of like 
sort of the the old Indian Aztec Mayan mix with Catholicism, like kind of like the the Day of the Dead stuff that's right. Coming the up. Day of the Dead stuff that's coming up on November first is is a prime example. Also, all of the pictures that you see of Mary with all of the roses, okay, which is very common around here, and a lot of Catholic churches have them on their their walls. And if you go out to the missions here in San Antonio, especially um, Mission Concepcion. There's the La Virgen de Guadalupe, and that is the Virgin Mary with all of the roses. And so they've taken this Aztec rose symbol okay. and melded it with Catholicism. And yeah, because you know, in like New Jersey, where I grew up, every once in a while you'd see the Madonna in the half shell kind of statue outside someone's house, which is essentially just kind of a Madonna statue, pale white for some strange reason, in blue and white, standing in front of a shell and just kind of holding her hands demurely, but there wasn't a lot of accoutrement around it. Yeah. And you can see in the southwestern kind of Latino areas of the folding in of those different right. belief systems. Well, it's like, what's really fun, and this is, I know we're going off on a side, but go by a Hispanic cemetery versus what you would consider traditional American. So you go by and you see the traditional American and everything is clean. There's maybe the one little group of flowers. Mm -hmm. the, the lawn is always, you know, mowed very nicely Some and it's very and, yeah. solemn. Headstones and that's right. it. Right. You go to a Mexican cemetery and there are colors everywhere. And I mean, like the gravestones are all decorated and it's pretty. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's like, well, yeah, we know that, that Uncle Jorge died five years ago, but... We still remember him and, you know, yeah. we and, still and come out here on his birthday and say hi. You can you can kind of understand that almost from a secular perspective of remembering your relatives and, like, if you have someone really close to you who's died fairly recently, within a couple years, then taking that time to celebrate that life and say, yes, I still remember this person who was very important to me and work through those feelings... There is something secular to be gotten out of those kind of old traditions if you ignore all the magic stuff like on, you know, All Saints Day or All Hallow Hallows Eve, all the everybody comes back to life or anything silly like that. But the remembrance of the dead and processing your feelings, you know, a year or two later, I know you've recently lost people in your family and I lost my father some 30 years ago. Thinking back and reminding yourself of, oh, yeah, this was someone important to my life. I want to deal with that. It makes some sense. Yeah. But burning down the person in the next village because you think that their child who looked at you askance meant that your mini business failed and that's why your cows died. So you're going to go hack them up. That's the, the that's mm -hmm. the unfortunate gray area that we got to say, well, there's there's some benefit to saying let's remember our ancestors as opposed to let's chop up the neighbor because I think my dick is smaller than his. Exactly. And that's what I wanted to touch on about this is that, yes, these people are are very superstitious. I guess that is the word yeah, that I, yeah. I want to use. I mean, to me, the only answer to, to this is continual encouragement and, 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 and coming in there, not taking over their country, obviously. But coming in there and, and talking to people and trying to, you know, say, hey, 
By the way, we know there are these uh, germ things that is the reason why people get right. sick. I think we touched on this a few weeks ago when we were really first starting to talk about Ebola. And don't worry, dear listener. <laughs> We're not we're not going to rebrand the show as Ebola cast. Donna may be a doctor, but I am no medical expert. But the the idea of of balancing the the saying of going into a country and say, no, you're wrong. It is not magical spirits that are causing Ebola victims. Right. It is. You know, there is stories on NPR this morning about how the children who are orphaned by Ebola. Oh, yeah. They're being are, are being completely ostracized. Even yeah. if their relative died like two months ago, the 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 non understanding of how this works and that if it's been a couple a month and definitely two months since you've been exposed to it, possibly, and you haven't come down with it, you're okay and the kid can be adopted. There's plenty of good stories of plenty of people understanding that and adopting children, but there's just as many stories of well, I'm not going to take in my nephew because he's cursed yeah. or something like that. And, and he, he, we, we argued with this a couple of weeks ago about how I'm more of the kind of stance of, we got to be firm and say, no, you're wrong. Your magical beliefs about witches or, you know, voodoo curses is wrong. We know better now. And it's not, it, I understand the connotations and the look on Donna's face right now of say, she's about to say essentially something like colonialism and imperialism and, that's a bad thing. It's got a lot of bad connotations, but you can't mollycoddle people for so long because then people start killing their neighbors or they mm. don't, they, they keep like kissing their dead relatives who died of Ebola and, you know, anointing them right. with oil and not worrying about, you know, oh, well, I'm pure of heart. So that means I'm not going to get sick. That kind of right. crap. There it's, we have to have a middle road between and my middle road is a little further up the hill than yeah, yours. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's that's I think that's where we're going to have to leave it because I you, neither one of us are policymakers. And though we should be. Okay. <laughs> I have no response to that. You Come know, on, you you've never thought that you wanted to be a ruler of the world, even just idly. Okay, I'll, okay, I, I, I got to yeah, give you see, that. See, I got to yeah, give you yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> I guess I see it in a not so cut and dry. Of mm -hmm. you know, we go in there and we tell them this. That's yeah. not going to work. Well, okay, and just because yeah. I have worked in that part of the the world, and even me with my dyed red hair, you know, I mean, I was primed for being a witch. Okay. The thing is, is that for most of these people, and I would say 90% of the people there, their belief in witchcraft is not a harmful belief. It is once again, this radical 10% that we're always talking about the 10% that makes the news, the 10% that have gone on and to ISIS and are kidnapping women to rape them. The 10% of Christians that are all, well, God hates fags and blah, 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 right. blah, blah. You know, these are the problem areas. The vast majority of people either this is how they were raised and they don't really care or they have an inkling of something better, but the hard push is not necessarily going to turn them in the right direction. You know, there's yeah. a, I, I, I do see your point. I do. But there is a certain amount of, well, 
I guess it comes from my point of view of saying, yes, some belief systems are more right than others, and we got to start doing something about that. And how to do that, I don't know. But uh, you were talking about the the minority of cases and and the and how sometimes a, a small few can fuck it up for a lot of people. That transitions fairly nicely into the next story we're going to talk about, which brings us slightly north of Tanzania to Kenya. In 1989, the WHO said, we want to eliminate tetanus, basically from the world, kind of like what we've almost done with polio, and they wanted to do it by 1995. Great, we're not quite there yet. Apparently, there are some 28 countries who still have not been fully certified as had eliminating it. Because right. every once in a while, even like polio, you still have the occasional flare-up case in a country that doesn't that was cleared for polio. Maybe someone traveled to Pakistan and then came back right. and chaos ensued. But Kenya still has a problem with tetanus. And yes. so tetanus is caused by, there's a bacteria, Clostridium tetany. Uh, yeah, sure, tetany. Yeah. Um, which releases a toxin called tetanospasmin, which basically causes headache, fever. But the biggest problem is it causes muscle stiffness and spasms to the muscles related to your bones, which oftentimes will lead to something like your jaw spasming and locking up, which is why the nickname for their disease is lockjaw. Side note, side story. Go ahead. When I was in high school, there was a girl, I think her name was Jeannie. Don't really remember. Now, Jeannie had, Jeannie was a really popular girl because she had the ability to unhook her jaw. Aha. She could actually unhook her jaw and put her fist in her mouth. Combine that with no gag, gag reflex, and she's a really popular gal. Yes, she was. Now, one time, I think it was English class, she was joking around and she did it, and it basically locked, and she couldn't get it back in. And the teacher was all like, oh my god, you have tetanus. tetanus. <laughs> and we're all like, no, no, this is like her special talent. <laughs> and the teacher was all like, no. Once again, Catholic school. I wanted to know. Oh dear. Yeah, she was a she was a popular girl. I'm just Yeah, yeah. So according to Kenya's health ministry, about five hundred to six hundred babies die every year of tetanus, basically within their first year or so. And right. and a lot of that happens because of a maternal and neonatal version of tetanus. Right. Is of... is passed during birth and <coughs> Either in poor birthing procedure. Right. So like when they clamp the cord, you've got contaminated instruments or contaminated dressings, um, contaminated either by, by feces or charcoal or something, you know, because they... Or just not sterilizing them from the last person. Yeah. Well, so this is kind of how that... Because in Kenya, most women don't have birth in a hospital. Yeah. So there's there's certain steps to be taken for trying to deal with that, and that's educating, you know, not just nurses and doctors, but midwives and local healers and stuff like that, who, despite the witch doctor case that we talked about just a few minutes ago in Tanzania, where one of the people who was arrested, those 23 people that was arrested for killing the quote-unquote witches, was the local healer, witch doctor, whatever you want to call it. Local healers can be, in some cases, in a lot of cases, like that 90-10% you were talking about earlier, can be helpful for an area. Yeah. They can talk about, you know, oh, yes, you need to rest, or there actually are medicinal herbs that actually have an effect that they can prescribe. 
not, not homeopathic like yeah. herbs. And, and not like just waving a dead chicken over your body and say, there, you're cured or whatever. Rubbing an egg on your head, which is really popular around here. Okay. I I did not know that. Scary, scary Texas stories uh, every week on The Skeptic Wire. The Kenyan ministry has just, has worked for the last decade or so of several campaigns to vaccinate against tetanus um, with the tetanus toxoid vaccine, nicknamed TT. Okay. And they did one in 2003, 2006, 2009. And basically they're doing multiple campaigns so that eventually the WHO can certify them as free from tetanus. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. Except... So the last story was all about the local, you know, superstition people saying, there's a witch, burn her, you know, turn me into a newt, all that kind of stuff. Well, this problem in this case, this minority problem that is calling problems for everybody else involved are the local Catholic bishops. So you've got the right reverend Paul Karuki Naju and his deputy, because of course it's all men, uh, the right Reverend Joseph Mabita. Essentially what they are saying is that this tetanus vaccine campaign is a conspiracy to sterilize the women of Kenya. Oh, so population control, kind of what we're hearing about Ebola. Pro yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Like, take it back just to Ebola. <laughs> un uneducated assumptions about what's going on. And uh, to be more specific, they've made claims like, quote, we want to know if there's a tetanus crisis in Kenya. If so, why has it not been declared? So the idea that people are vaccinating is something that's not a full on kind of Ebola level pandemic. They're saying, well, why are you vaccinating against this? As, as opposed to, you know, just helping people not get sick is a bad thing. Uh, quote number two. Why should it target women between the ages of 19 and 49 years? And that's essentially not understanding that they're, they're trying to target pregnant women and mothers of childbearing age and all that before they get pregnant so they don't pass anything on to their kids, but also because they're around the kids a lot and all that kind of stuff. And they're trying to deal with, like I said, the maternal and neonatal version of tetanus. Quote number three, why is it left out young girls, boys, and men if everybody's all prone to tetanus? And the same thing, it's, it's, they're trying to target women so they don't pass it on to their kids because during childbirth, they're especially vulnerable because of all those unsanitary things Donna mentioned. Finally, in the midst of so many life-threatening diseases in Kenya, why has tetanus been prioritized? Well, I don't think it has been prioritized. It's, it's among all the various different diseases out there, like Ebola, like polio, and whatever, that they're just trying to eradicate as many diseases as they can, and we have a good working vaccine for tetanus. Now, the claim about this tetanus vaccine, the tetanus toxoid vaccine that they're, they're making, is they're saying that this tetanus vaccine could be, quote, contaminated with the beta-human chorionic gonadotropin hormone which is basically BHCG. Right. Okay. So they say that this possible contamination, which hasn't even been confirmed, would sterilize women. And there's so much wrong with that situation. Yeah. So a little background. I know I'm getting a little detailed here, but stay with me, folks. 
the HCG hormone, the actual human chorionic gonadotropin hormone, is a naturally occurring hormone from when women get pregnant. Essentially, the uh, zygote and the placenta and all that kind of stuff, as soon as things start going on with fertilization, they start producing the HCG hormone to essentially keep the body pregnant. And I know that's really oversimplifying things, but they basically say, don't menstruate. We're implanting now. There is a zygote. It's, it's viable. Let's keep going. One of the things about HCG is those little P-tests that you see advertised on the TVs and, and is the trope of every kind of romantic comedy movie. They test for the HCG hormone. Yep. So what the beta human chlorionic gonadotropin is, is essentially something that people have trying to been researching to say, could this be a way to essentially have a birth control vaccination? It, which is called kind of immunocontraception. So the idea is you get these injections of something that's relate that's anti HCG, which means that even if a woman has sex with a man and the sperm meets egg, that because the HCG is getting um, combated in the female body, means the zygote won't to be able to actually implant in the uterus and form the placenta and nine months later, wee, 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 baby. So the idea, it, it is essentially an abortificant. Right. I'm completely agreeing with you. <laughs> I know I'm going a little, little detail here, but I, I, this was kind of fascinating. And there have been stage one, stage two, and I think maybe even stage three trial, clinical trials on humans in uh, regarding this beta HCG hormone and, and trying to produce an immune response against HCG. And they found that it's fairly safe. They found that it's reversible. So when they stop getting injections to create this anti-HCG immunoresponse, then everything goes back to normal. But the thing is, they have to keep up, keep a regular injections in order to maintain a level of anti-HCG in the body because the body is not doing that on its own despite right. the kind of the idea of immunization and a vaccine against pregnancy. So that all comes back to this tetanus vaccine where the beta HCG, which might maybe be a contaminant in the vaccine is sometimes used as an antigen, which is the thing that helps trigger the body's immunoresponse. Kind of like how, um, People talk about in the flu vaccine, I think it's aluminum is worked as an antigen. Yeah, to try thimerosal. To, yeah, thimerosal, aluminum, all that kind of thing to accelerate the body's immunoresponse. So maybe beta HCG might be in the vaccine. That's still a maybe. But even if it is, it's probably at a, such a small level that it's not this regular injection that they've shown can have an effect in preventing pregnancy, but in some of the phase two like small, like 50 women trials that they did that I read about. Um, even the women who had the high enough level of anti-HCG and the beta HCG going on, one of those women still got pregnant. Yeah. It is not a foolproof contraception plan, which is why it's still just in clinical trials, despite the fact that they started testing this back in 1970 
or thereabouts. Right. It's been studied for almost 50 years. It is a small, maybe level in this tetanus vaccine. And it isn't even like they, you need regular injections to keep up those levels. And it still isn't a 100% foolproof contraception, let alone what these dumbass Catholic bishops are calling it of quote unquote sterilizing. Right. Or population control. It's not. It's obviously not in anything. And this is one of those things because the Catholic Church is actually pretty pro-vaccine. Most of the time, yeah. Most of the time. I don't understand why they're not just like, boom, slap them down and say, dude, you know, like the Pope going, dude, you're disseminating bad information. Stop it. The, The Catholic Church is a very hierarchical organization. They can and should be saying, no, this is not the case. We can trust these vaccines. And some of the local doctors who are working in the health ministries, the head of vaccine and immunization services, Afantas Mari in Kenya, one of the things he's quoted as saying is this is the same vaccine normally given to mothers during antenatal visits, basically, I think, before they give birth. Yes. And it is available in Catholic health facilities. You can't, and and goes on to say, you can't give family planning to people without their consent. It's against Kenyan law. Right. So this exact vaccine is available in Catholic hospitals already. All over the world. Yes. But especially in Kenya. Yeah. But the these right reverend dumbasses are basically kind of probably quoting some anti-vax stuff they've read. And they proclaimed that they read somewhere, apparently, like they read it in a blog somewhere, that it was used to test uh, the, the tetanus vaccine was used to sterilize women in like Mexico and Nicaragua or something like that. And that's actually been fully refuted years ago. Right. But and, and, and this is stuff that I was able to find that that claim was refuted years ago with an afternoon's research on Google. Yep. And these Catholic bishops are just. I, I don't know if it's that they want to maintain their control over the area and, and say, no, you ha- you haven't really – you haven't checked with us Catholics yet because 40% of Kenyans are Catholics and we don't want to maintain our power. So we're not going to allow you to do this until we say so. But they're dis- they're telling people to boycott the vaccine and they're telling people that it could sterilize you, not saying, well, hold on. We want to make sure it's safe first. But let's not worry about it. We'll tell you, and and it's fine. They're saying they're making these claims first, which is what people will remember. They you, you, even in you know Western areas, you don't remember the recantation of stories that were like, oh, we were wrong. Like everybody re- remembers Wakefield's article of autism and vaccines, and yeah, it's horrible. And- but nobody remembers the fact that well, except for us skeptics, were steeped in this knowledge that this that those were recanted by the lancet and everybody else is saying no no that's not true i don't know if it's oh. a power grab or just pure ignorance or a mixture of this right. kind of local I superstition i i think that it's 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 a, a combination of of a lot of that i mean because you have this sort of history of you know i mean we we've already been documented of you know, going into a foreign country and doing, you know, secret squirrel stuff under the auspices of 
a vaccination campaign. You're talking about the Osama bin Laden DNA right. identification thing, right. which was a little squirrely and unfortunate that they did it that way. And it's not a good thing to do because it makes people distrust vaccines. Right. So you have that. But it, there's also the history. There's the history of Tuskegee Airmen. There's all of these, you know, that the conspiracy theorists yeah. love to go, well, look, they did it back then. Who's to say they're not doing it now? You know, this, you know, <laughs> oh, the government are evil, you know, and never minding the Assigning fact, ulterior motives no matter what. Right. I, I love the fact that this there's this whole government conspiracy when to have a really good conspiracy program, you need as few people who know about it as possible. <laughs> Just that's the way it works. The fewer that know about it, yeah. the better off they are. You know, the ones that don't can, you know, claim what is it, you know, oh, what's that term? Fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. They, they didn't, they didn't know that they were wrong. The, the patsies or whatever you want yeah, to call not, it. Yeah, not necessarily patsies, but. Yeah, they, I know they what you're getting at. Willful, you know, they were willfully ignorant of the situation. And mm -hmm. there's a, there's a term that I've just, it was there <laughs> and I see it in my head and it just went poof. Bye -bye. They're part of the conspiracy because they are unswavering in their loyalty to the well, powers above them. So they don't question anything. And right. Yeah. Well, it's the ability to say the president being able to say, well, I, I didn't know about Roswell because my underlings never told me. You're talking about the plot to Independence Day? Sort of. Okay. So, you know, it's it's that sort of thing. But we have a lot of that. And then it's, you know, the Gates Foundation, which is always fucking accused of, of population control. And then you go in there and you read the commentaries of anything about Ebola now. And, and even this Catholic Church opposing the tetanus, it's all about, oh, no, it's the purpose to reduce the black population. Mm -hmm. You know, and they start getting into the big pharma. You know, you know, the minute you see the words big pharma, yeah. you're, you're in for a good, good Report. Yeah, it, it, all of this, a lot of this comes from, I, the best way to put it would be elitist Westerners yeah. who are in safe conditions where they have high hygiene and plenty of pharmaceuticals going on, who are just asking questions. Yeah, but jacking those, off. <laughs> those questions influence people in other countries where they don't have the same level of infrastructure of knowledge right and granted the internet is helping a little with that but it's also it's a double-edged sword but that they take those just asking questions means oh well people in the west they found out that you know some guy in his garage found out that vaccines weren't safe or discovered perpetual energy or something like that so that Confusion. means that i can't yeah i can't trust anything that comes from there because it's been found to be wrong end of story same thing happening with the anti-GMO stuff of people burning golden rice fields because some hippie in Santa Cruz says, I, I don't want my, you know, vitamin A enriched rice because that's, uh, that was made in the lab and that's not natural. Right. And then people die and go blind right. and from vitamin are, A deficiency. People who are dying and, you know, okay, so we're siding off onto GMOs here. <laughs> go you know, for this it. Golden rice is feeding people. It's preventing blindness and feeding people. Yeah. 
I, I'm, I'm not going to argue this one right now because I will <laughs> just nut the fuck up. Yeah, we're we're past an hour, so you're trying to yes ease up besides, a bit on we, getting besides, into long conversations. We have some other stuff to talk about the Catholic yeah. Church because. But basically, bad conspiracy theory about a vaccine that probably doesn't have the ingredient that they think is in it. Right. And they don't understand what's going on, which isn't e- even what they think it is. Right, exactly. But, you know, we've got more to bitch about with the the Catholic Church, and we always do. There was a thing over the weekend about, what is his name, Pope Francis. You know, he's he's the kinder, gentler Pope. Yes. I mean, he's kind of cool. I mean, he's not into the fancy dress that, that Prada Prince was wearing. Right, and he has actually done some very basic, simple things that he can do on his own to not stigmatize people who aren't kind of the perfect people like the the washing of the people's feet and washing of women's feet and right. the the blessing of there's a wonderful picture of him blessing someone who has a basically horrible skin disease like elephantitis kind of looking thing right and he's touching him he's not like a distant like, person he he seems to be someone who actually cares about people which is a good thing right but but so there was a report this weekend about basically the kinder, gentler Catholic doctrine accepting gays and divorcees for um, communion. You know, it was all uh, one, yeah. You know about you know we need to bring them into the fold and, and everything else. So there was a lot of oh look the Catholic doctrine on gays is changing. Or it's like a a seismic shift is what everybody keeps calling yes. it. Yes. And it's nowhere near anything what they say it is. Right. Recently, apparently, Pope Francis has called the Extraordinary Synod of the Bishops, which is essentially getting a whole bunch of bishops back to the Vatican. And and it's like a two-year process or a multi-year process of they come to the Vatican, they talk about it, they go home and talk about it. They come to the Vatican, talk about it, they go home and talk about it. It's a lot, a lot of travel, and they're just trying to build up frequent flyer miles. But the idea is they get together and talk about a whole bunch of issues about where where is the Catholic Church and whatever. And one of the big things they're talking about is the uh, the state of the family in the modern world, which is part of this whole synod. All the news has been about the beginning of those discussions. Right. And a report that came out after. So one of these reports, and there's actually 58 sections in the report after the debate. Relatio post discrincensor fervium. It's Latin. I don't speak Latin. Discaptationum. Discaptationum. Sure. Six years of ecclesiastical Latin. That's (laughs) all I have to say. (laughs) It's more than I got, but... Yeah, so they have this big old kind of – so they had a whole bunch of discussions. They had little little focus groups. Yes. Little so, kind of bishops basically saying, oh, I like your shoes. I like your hat. And what do you think about the gays? So they have one that's entitled, Welcoming Homosexual Persons. And the quote is, homosexuals have gifts and qualities to offer to the Christian community. Are we capable of welcoming these people, guaranteeing to them a fraternal space in our communities? Often they wish to encounter a church that offers them a welcoming home. Are our communities capable of providing that, accepting and valuing their sexual orientation without compromising Catholic doctrine on family and matrimony? Yeah. I think a lot of people heard about this quote unquote report after the debate, which is not a, 
It's not a decree. It's nothing final. It's not anything saying this is new doctrine. These are the new rights. I'll, you know, this is how you cross yourself if you meet a gay in in your cathedral as opposed to a straight or something like that. It's it's none of that. Right. It's just like a first. It's a it's meeting minutes. It's not even like a full on kind of decree from the pope. Right. It's it's the minutes of the meetings. And I think someone read the section heading of welcoming homosexual persons and, and assumed. Wait, oh my god! Yeah, they assumed that was a a statement as opposed to a question. Quote because the, dramatic shift. And more tolerant, end yes. quotes. Because the quote you read after the section heading of welcoming homosexual persons was all questions. Can yeah. we do this? Should we do this? Right. You know, are, are we going to... Compromise our doctrine yeah, by... Are, are we, and it isn't even, should we change our doctrine? It's, should we be kind of nicer to gay people? Yes. Really, we, we've kind of covered it. It's not a change in the doctrine. It is simply... Asking questions, you know, that's, that's really what it is. It's jacking, and this is off, going, it's like jacking off and, and these, these men, cause you know, there ain't no women there are going to be asking these questions for another, you know, 20, 22 months. Yeah. And then it's going to come out that they can't change their doctrine and da, 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 da. I think even further down in the document, it still says, no, we believe marriage is one woman, one man. Right. All that kind of stuff. And and they're not even saying, should we say that homosexuality is no longer a sin? Because they really kind of can't. Well, right. So what they're, it, it really is kind of like Pope Francis is that, that aunt that always looks at you when you swear at the table or whatever. That's Pope Francis. He's all like, no, you can find a nicer way to say that. He is the tone police of the Catholic Church. But the rest of the organization is walking him back saying, no, no, no. We, right. We, well, you look at yeah. every time that he has done this. So something comes out about welcoming gays or when he made his atheist comment about atheists are probably going to go to heaven, too. You know, people were like losing their shit going, no, no. Yeah. Shut up, Francis. Sit down. Ignoring the fact that Francis actually said. Atheists can go to heaven, dot, 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 if they believe in Jesus. Right. <laughs> so even in this case, um, I will walk back one thing and kind of devil's advocate you and saying that he just called the synod and these were conversations people that had. It wasn't him saying that we should be nicer to gay people. It was asking the question, can we be nicer right. to gay people? But even that is is progress. It's the kind of thing where the modern secular world always and and i'd be willing to debate this with whatever but i think it's a fairly good theory hypothesis of what you already say that every single time there has a pro been a progression in morality it has been the non-religious world the the modern secular world that has been dragging the conservative old school religious world kicking and screaming into the modern world whether it's you know uh, slavery or science or interracial relations or uh, all those kind of stuff. It has been the progressive secular world saying, well, no, we've kind of thought about this and we should change. And the religious organizations, especially the, well, the organizations themselves have said, no, we know this truth from our book from 1500, a thousand years ago, 2000 years ago, whatever it was. That says 
this is the truth and this is the truth forever. We're, we can't change that and we are right because it says so in our book. Right. But the modern world has dragged them kicking and screaming into finally now, I don't think there's any modern, I, I, I use the word modern, but like organization of religion that says that you should have slavery. Right. and that's, Because it's been dragged further by the modern secular world. Right. And I think what Pope Francis is trying to do is, is make those very small steps. Yeah. You know, because he can't really defy the doctrine because he's either going to get killed or kicked out or whatever it is that Catholics do to bad popes because <laughs> something. And this coming from a former Catholic, so take that with that. But he's he's trying to make those small steps. He's and softening I, the language. He's softening the yeah. language. And he's trying to, I think, I think, me personally, that this softening of the language, because, I mean, you look at people like Bill Donahue, who is the head of the Catholic League here in the United States. And you look at some of the, the really firebrand Catholics that we have here in the United States about, you know, you know, gay is just icky and blah, blah, blah. And he was a joke even before Francis came into the picture. But... Even now more so, because the world has moved on, he's even more of a joke. Right. So what I think Francis is doing is that, you know, we've got we've got one group of Catholics that are all gay equals sin. Right. And you've got Francis who's who is leading what I would call a good Catholic life. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not like the previous guy who, you know, had you know, the Prada robes and, and all of this jazz. <laughs> this is a guy who doesn't even live in his own apartment. He lives with other priests yeah. as Pope. Where uh, Pope Palpatine or whatever the yeah. hell his name was. I was more Prada of a, Pope. Was more of like a my way or the highway. This is the truth and forever. And I, you know, Benedict was such an academic about religion that it, he had written books about it and that it was so focused on the law of the religion and yeah. the argumentation of it that he was it wasn't about the real world to him he had not moved on with the rest of the world but francis who was not part of the vatican infrastructure he lived out in was it argentina yeah he was he saw the real world for what it was right. and he has a little bit more realistic view of the world and he understands that the world is moving on right the other thing is is that like i mean he is he's more concerned with mercy and embracing people. I mean, the washing of the feet. The, the, he's been known to sneak out and actually go feed the poor. Yeah. These things that we never really thought it, we'd see from a pope, honestly. <laughs> well, it's it it's not entirely surprising because that's the what a priest or a pope is really supposed to, to do, do. But anyway. But yeah. so he's he's kind of embraced the charity portion mm-hmm. of his job. And part of that charity is being charitable to all of humanity, yeah. not just the Catholics. Which is why he has said positive things about atheists. Right. Because so, he, he likes us, even though we completely disagree with him. Right. And so that's where I think that he's, like I said, he's trying to make these small steps. You're not going to see Adam and Steve get married in the Catholic Church. You're not going to see it. But... You're also not going to see them necessarily turned away mm-hmm. from communion, which is one of the, you know, the big things. Oh, my God, we can't let them have communion in our church because, <laughs> you know, 
they did this. And 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 other parts of the synod have been discussing things like divorce, right? And are we going to allow divorced people to have communion? Which most a lot of people who are divorced already do in modern places like the United States. Not so much in Africa, because as we said the last hour that we've been talking, little still pretty conservative. But other things like you know re- people who are remarried, all of that touches on the idea of. Well, we need to kind of see how hardline we really have to be on this. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how this discussion, this frequent flyer mile discussion of the synod is actually going to change things. What will progress? How? Because you've already gotten when this document came out and also kind of in response to all the headlines saying it's a big seismic change of the more mm-hmm. conservative elements all over the world, not just Africa, but here in the United States and Europe and whatever of just gnashing their teeth and yelling, no, we will not, not yet change. They're not changing. What they're doing is, quote, deepening and clarifying their understanding, according to Cardinal Louis Antonia Tagle. Right. That's that's double talk for, yeah, we're going to change without saying that we've changed. <laughs> right. So, like I said, all of the big headlines of, you know, the kinder, softer, gentler Catholic yeah. Church, not exactly that. They are making very small incremental steps. And it's a big gray area of what they're even doing in the first place. Right. So that's where we're at. (laughs) Uh, So what did we learn tonight? We learned that you probably should not have me as your driver for a hospital visit because somebody's (laughs) probably going to get yelled at. No, no, I would would prefer that. If, If I am incapacitated... I do not want some local Yahoo who thinks that, you know, I should be prayed over. I want a sciencey person like Dinah. Not- uh, we learned that Malala won the Nobel Peace Prize. Congratulations. Really, there's nothing snarky for me to say about. And an Indian man whose name, <laughs> name I can't can- pronounce. Yeah, we can't pronounce. We talked about witchcraft in Africa and how people are dying from it. Literally dying. Being set on fire, people. Yes. And having their bodies desecrated. This is not a good thing. We learned that apparently the African Catholic Church is against tetanus, which the rest of the Catholic Church isn't. No, they're not against tetanus. They're against the tetanus vaccine. They're apparently pro-tetanus and pro-babies dying. Hear that, Catholics? African Catholics. Let's, let's, Let's keep that in mind because most of the... But as you said, the Pope isn't exactly saying, hey, you, don't do that. Vaccine's good. But anyway... So, we also learned that the kinder, softer, gentler Catholic Church, in regards to loving their gay brethren, <laughs> yeah, maybe not so much. They're still discussing it. They're still kind of going, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure how I They're feel not exactly about it. kinder yet. They're not exactly gentler yet. They're not exactly softer yet. But there's a softening of tone. There's a, yes. Yes. They're, they're going Uncle from like Francis. full white to off white in their choice of wall colors or something exactly. like that. Well, Uncle Francis has has basically set down the law and said, no, you're not going to call them damn dirty fags. You're going to be nice to them, even if you don't kind of agree with them. That's basically yeah. what he has said. It, it's sad in the 21st century that that's the level of progress we're dealing with, but... Right now, yeah. I'm happy with any level of progress. I'm happy that, you know, in the last couple of weeks, we have now turned over to the majority of United States have basically, unfortunately, been forced to, but 
have marriage equality because yeah, something like thirty-two states yeah. or so, somewhere and, between thirty and thirty-five now. Yeah, depending on which day it is and yeah. who. Well, there's and some which things court like has, yeah. and which court has said yes, no, maybe exactly because like the Alaskan one, I guess, has gone through and they're either have or are going to start issuing marriage licenses soon. Mm-hmm. But like Utah was overturned but then it was an appeal and it wasn't upheld and then it was upheld and you just kind of go yeah okay you kind of wish it would actually get to the supreme court so there would just be one decision finally right because even conservative judges as we have seen in virtually every case except like i think once recently the it was up uh, a ban was upheld or something but even conservative judges you saw this with the supreme court refusing to hear any of these appeals on gay marriage they know it's not legal right to do this and they know it's not moral right well, to do this they just don't want to touch it with a 10 right. foot cattle prod well that's that's exactly what happened with the supreme court and them going yeah we're not talking to them <laughs> they're not talking to you bye bye yeah but eventually but we it, need but it but yeah. it looks like the 5th circuit court of appeals which is the one that is overseeing texas is probably going to rule in favor of the ban and then that is what will send it to the Supreme Court. A contradiction in rulings right. like that? Okay. So once you have this, so you'll have like the Ninth Circuit Court going, you can't have a ban. It's illegal. It's discrimination. And you have another court saying a ban is legal. At that point, you have two conflicting equal level courts saying different things. The Supreme Court will have to weigh in. Yeah. And it's going to be a 4-3 hopefully, vote. Yeah. Hopefully something ha- happens. Is, would it be 4-3 or 4 Probably 4-3 because you've got... two people abstain? Because it's nine judges. Oh, 5-4 is what okay. I meant. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> but, you know, Kennedy is probably going to be the swing vote. Alito, um, Chief Justice Roberts um, are going to be the mm-hmm. ones that are going to be like, no, gay marriage is icky. We won't have it. Well, it's usually like Scalia and Thomas who are Scalia, the Thomas. outright kind of never fully on conservative, never going to listen to any other right. argument. Despite the fact that Alito and Roberts were both Bush appointees and they are conservative judges through and through, they have made some decisions that are clearly, Lee. they understand the arguments and they are willing to be convinced in some cases. In some cases. Not all of them, the but big some. One, the big swing vote on this one is still Justice Kennedy. Yeah. He is really considered a rogue on the Supreme Court. <laughs> and honestly, no, every time that gay marriage has come up where it has been, okay, it's looking like it's going to head to the Supreme Court, just like with Edith Windsor when they were knocking down DOMA, literally everybody was shitting themselves trying to figure out what Justice Kennedy <laughs> was going to do. Because you could, you've got Roberts and Alito and, and Clarence and Scalia in one corner You've got Sotomayor and Kagan and Justice Ginsburg. Ginsburg and the other one. I can't remember. <laughs> hey, I've, I've got most of them. I'm very proud of myself. Regis? No. No. Jermaine? Uh, That's a Jackson. Uh, Grumpy? Hold on. Hold <laughs> uh, um, on. There's this thing. That's cool. uh, Mark Wahlberg? No, that's from Ice. No. Uh, okay. Justin Timberlake, uh, Big Bird, uh, Briar. Briar. Okay. 
Stephen Breyer. The forgotten Supreme Court justice. Yes. Anyway. So he's, you know, they they tend to be very liberal-minded. But once again, I mean, Kennedy Kennedy has ruled very conservatively at times, and he's ruled rather liberally at times. And so that'll... He must go into his chambers and just flip a freaking coin. Sometimes it seems that way. Yeah, exactly. So, but I believe, because... Greg is tapping his wrist at me going, time, time, shut up. Listeners aren't supposed to know this part, Donna, but okay. (laughs) He's looking at me, time, stop talking. Don't look at the person behind the curtain, Donna. (laughs) So with that, we're going to say goodbye. Yep, and we might maybe possibly have Gary back next week, but... Hopefully, keep your fingers crossed. Who knows what's going on? He's got crazy work schedule. Craziness. We got to either get him a sugar mama or a new job. Yeah, exactly. Because this is not cool. But He's th- cutting into podcast time. Uh, yeah, seriously. What the fuck? Where's his priorities? I think it's called a car payment. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. He can work at McDonald's and still come to the podcast. Come on. Yeah, you talk to him about that. I'm not going to have that discussion. <laughs> so I guess this is it for tonight. This is Skeptic Wire. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is... Oh, shit. We forgot to wish David Harcourt a happy birthday. Yes. Our former co-host of The Skeptic Wire, I I believe it was the 12th? It was like Sunday or something, but... Something like that. Happy Happy birthday, birthday, David. David. We're not going to sing because we can't pay for the rights for... uh, For that song. The happy birthday song because we are sponsored by no organizations. We have no commercial sponsors. We are just a few people in a living room podcasting at your ears. So if anybody knows somebody who wants to sponsor this <laughs> Capture Fire podcast, hint, hint, adamandeve.com. <laughs> we would be more than happy to take your money. I don't know. I kind of like being an un- uh, unpaid shill. Being a rogue. <laughs> Nobody uh, controls us. Yeah. We're rebels. We're rebel. You see, even Harpo agrees. Yeah. Stay rebel. Yeah. But happy birthday, Dave. Happy birthday. Bye. Theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the Podposted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Is it Kigoma or Kigoma? Kigoma. Kigoma. Say everything as fast as you can. That's that's generally the word, you know. Murufiti village. Murufiti, yeah. Murufiti. Kigama. Sibilance. Sibilance. Yeah. Basically as, as quickly and as softly as possible is the general rule. Kigama. So like it's like so it's like it's not Eritrea or it's Eritrea, not Eritrea. Right. So it's, it's like Eritrea. You don't say Louisville, you say Louisville. Yeah. Okay. Just run it all together. Or uh Toronto. Toronto. Where do you live? Toronto. Eh? Worcester. Good and tight? Okay.
uh, what is that? Massachusetts? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's, it's spelled almost like, um, Worcestershire sauce. Gotcha. Worcestershire. But they say Worcester. And I always want to go Worcester and they're like, no, it's Worcestershire. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm dead. Well, yeah. Probably comes from a lot of the English pronunciation of their their towns where they just leave out entire syllables. Well, this is after living in Georgia and the town just north of me was pronounced Martinez. Martinez? Yes. Well, we, we, we know about my long standing argument about the county that we live in. Oh, Bear, yeah. No. Bexar? Bexar. Bexar. Or Behar. Yeah. I don't mind if it's Behar, soften the X, whatever, but it's there. There's a there's there's goddamn, goddamn X. X. <laughs> yes. X metaphorically marks the spot, spot to pronounce the thing. Okay, so. Hi, what's going on? Why are you making such big noises? See, I'm trying to not give you petting attention when you do this, because you get in the middle of the podcast. No, no. You need to learn that when I'm sitting at the table with these microphone things in front of us, Harpo, that this is podcast time. This is not doggy make noise time. Good luck I, with that. Let me know how that goes. I, I know. Yes, you're very cute and you're wagging your tail very nicely, but I know you don't understand. Yeah, Donna's not going to help you either, Harpo. No. Nice try. Okay.